Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four, College Sports with a Midwest Perspective, Blue Collar and Blue Blood. You can see the lineup there if you're joining us on a visual medium. Sort of. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of just did a shuffle on you as we came through the game. If you're on video or audio, we have myself, Dalton Shetler, Tony Hollinsworth, and Sam Sprunger as we get ready for another week of Big Ten football. And to recap what was... Maybe not such a great week in some aspects for just college football in general. But I, I suppose that's kind of what lens you look through because some people really enjoyed the Sun Belt Fun Belt weekend that they put on this past weekend. So, uh, matter of fact, let's go ahead and start there because we had chaos in college football. You have Appalachian State rolling into College Station and knocking off Texas A&M. Who saw you that happening? Not say nobody. nobody. I was <laughs> gonna say the the biggest the one thing I heard most talk about that game was how much of a letdown App State would have because they had to play so hard against North Carolina. That's scored, the only thing I ever heard. Scored forty points in the fourth quarter against the Tar Heels and then go to College Station and simply just won by not letting Texas A and M participate in the game. Like A and M had what 35, 38 plays throughout the entire game, and App State had the ball for forty one minutes. Like Which they just is said, insane. yeah, they're like we're it's it's what Iowa dreams of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, but but a Excuse great me. win there for App State. And and yeah. by the way, maybe this is just a PSA to everybody: don't schedule App State. Like yeah. App no, State you would have thought they would have learned from Michigan way back in the day. That that's a dangerous game to schedule. Mm-hmm. And, and even in some of these past years when they lose some of these games, boy, it's close. Like, uh-huh. they're testing everybody. They're coming uh-huh. for lunch money. So just keep App State off if well, you don't here, want Well, here's my off. question. Does that the, – their, their history of competing well, not necessarily winning a lot, but competing well with these big schools lend an option of them going to, like, the Big 12? I mean – You know could. what I mean? Kind of – I mean – it could work out to where they're they're competing year in and year out in big games. I mean, and in and they've done it historically too. You know, to where maybe they could be pulled into a big uh, one of those lower big conferences. We we've seen schools make that climb in the past. Recently, Cincinnati, UCF yeah. just joined the Big Twelve. UCF came from nowhere, but because they had their national mm-hmm. championship, if you're on visual medium, that was air quotes national <laughs> championship. Um, hey, they were undefeated they uh, that year. I I'm not gonna say I I called them national champions. Actually I, within the I can hear the argument. It. They're I, they, the they have right so um it, it that actually is official it's like asterisk with who was it i think bama won that year uh-huh. uh, it's asterisk with bama that it, bama and ucf both are like co-national champions for for that year well good on them and and there's not much of a reason app state can't make that same climb and, right. and you think about too um this is more from a basketball sense and this is something that hasn't happened but could happen we heard rumors about that earlier this year but gonzaga Considering where that program started to where it is now, where all the conferences wouldn't mind having Gonzaga in the Big right. East talking about it, like 
that's it, it's absolutely a climb that could happen. So I'm with that. I, I like that idea. I hadn't thought about that much. I mean, it, it's I, I I heard somebody mention it, and the person like immediately shot it down. And I'm sitting there thinking, really, honestly, I mean, if they're competing with the recruits they're getting now and they're competing year in and year out why wouldn't they be of interest because when they're competing year every year they're getting better recruiting then and and from that conference i'd speak even more to the other point and and tony can jump in whenever he wants on this too but (laughs) with conference realignment being what it is Mm -hmm. like uh there's nobody that knows anything so if anybody instantly shuts it down like they they don't have the answer like We've seen some crazy. Did anybody predict USC and UCLA were going to run to the the cold tundra of the Midwest? No, oh, like no. this, and this still is is going on. So, like, there's no reason to close out possibilities. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Go ahead, Tony. Sorry, I keep cut, nope. cutting you off. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, because I mean, you look at it. We we've kind of moved away from a lot of those quote unquote, you know, unspoken of geographic rules in quote uh-huh. that, uh, that, you know, everybody in college football thought we would kind of follow like the ACC kind of takes a lot of the East coast, but then that kind of, that got a little bit broken up when Maryland and Rutgers came over into the big 10 in 2014. So it's like, okay, but that's not, that's not terrible. It's not too much of an overreach. And it's like, all right, Pac-12 is in their little area. Big 12 is kind of mostly in the south, a little bit up in the northwest with West Virginia, you know, joining after the Big East fell. But it's like, yeah, when you when you when now you look and it's like, all right, Big 10 is primarily Midwest and California. It's like it's crazy. And, you know, (laughs) as we've talked about and I'm sure we'll still talk about because, you know, nothing's been set yet. You know, we're in talks with Oregon. We're in talks with uh, Washington. So, I mean, it. Of course, Notre Dame is still the big fish that you know the Big Ten's trying to trying to reel in. I still don't know how Notre Dame is like. We're just I know we're all boxed in on like every side. We're we're just gonna keep doing this until we absolutely have to do something, or we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But no, I mean I think Appalachian State. I, I could see them in the Big Twelve or the ACC. Even I mean, think about it. They're right there in North Carolina. You could have them in a, a UNC rivalry almost consistently. You know them and Duke. I don't think UNC travel. wants to play them every year. <laughs> Probably not. UNC's like not after last time. No, no. They could go face Clemson though. That would be a good matchup. You know, I got to thinking about something about uh, uh, the Big Ten expanding out to the to California. Is that that commercial that they show that they start at the Rose Bowl is still appropriate? They just got to throw in a couple of other graphics right there. It's, it's a and good they can point. still run the whole that whole. I love oh. the idea that the first two frames just kind of like jittery, just throw up UCLA and USD <laughs> before it expands over. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they do. Hey, they did it as quickly as they would be doing it as quickly as USC and UCLA ran to the Big Ten. So just it's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so we, we got a lot of different areas we can go to. We can talk about some of these upsets to start. We could talk about Nebraska and Scott Frost. We could talk about what was the conversation of the best of the West. Now there's just the mess in the West. Like there's a lot to talk about here in this show. Uh, any Anybody have feelings where we start? We've already talked a little Appalachian. Do you just want to stay with upsets? Or is Sam thinking Iowa here? I'm thinking Iowa. All right, I let's want, go I want to get to this. West. Okay, I, I'll let you start then with the Iowa Hawkeyes. I I am totally shocked I cre- I predicted the correct score. Now I had it the other way, <laughs> but like this is embarrassing 
Dalton, you you shared some uh, some some stats or the 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 stats of it. Their touchdown drive was like from the opponent's sixteen yard line. Yeah, let me let me pull up the the drive chart for the scoring drives that Iowa's had so. Which, far. mind you, is two. Correct. <laughs> two. Uh, the only touchdown that Iowa has scored this year had their drive started at the opposing 16. You are correct. Uh, the only field goal that Iowa made during the Iowa state game, because they did make one during the South Dakota state game, but that drive started at the opposing 33 yard line. Um, and in that drive, they gained five yards before settling for a 46 yarder on fourth and five, five yards. And they had to hit a (laughs) long field goal to get that field goal. I mean, this is what oh, is actually this? forgive me i got i got twisted that is the field goal from south dakota state I, yeah I, I yeah, yeah, yeah so that I, is it that's all the score i here. heard what you meant it's not what you said so that's why i just <laughs> kept on moving but uh um th- something's gotta happen with this doesn't it i mean and and with this as stubborn as kurt Ferns is i fear that in the next week or two he could be ending his tenure like i like and if he's not willing to say, "Okay, son, sorry, I've got to, I've got to fire you because this is, this is unacceptable," we, I, this could be easily they're in a fight with Nebraska for last in the West. Like that's how bad I think Iowa is right now. Tony, yeah, I agree. Like now, Sam got the score right, but I, I picked iowa state for the upset <laughs> That's right. uh, by at least 17 huh tony i did i did so i did say 17 i was hoping i was like at least no might, no no let's know. say like, at least well i think what tony could take away is how good iowa's defense is like yeah it's yeah. a real defense there in iowa city but go on yeah like that that's really kind of the the upsetting part like if you're an iowa fan and of course just the big 10 fan in general it's like that defense has so much potential and you know we even talked about it kind of early on uh when the season first started because i predicted the iowa linebacker would have a great year and i I still think that they will but the fact that you know and we talked about it on game day petrus has thrown one touchdown and nine interceptions in his last what eight games or something like that and he's still your starter. Yeah. Like 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 Sam said, something has to change. Whether it's you know Ferentz, whether it's his son as the OC, whether it's Petrus as the quarterback, something has to give because that, that's just not acceptable. Well, the one thing you've got to look at is who's making the decisions on who starts at quarterback. Because if you have a better option behind Petrus, then who's making that that choice of who's starting? because somebody's got to pay for that if there if there is a better quarterback on that roster right now shame on the person that said we're putting him in and over him so right there he needs to lose his job if that's the case well at that point i mean even if you necessarily you don't have a better option i mean can can you really sit here and say well our best option will still get us you know one touchdown to nine interceptions at this point it's like i'll I I would try anything like, Hey, Mm -hmm. whoever my second string guy is, you're going to be our starter. We're going to see what we got, which right. But what I'm saying is if they're better, what I'm saying is, is if that person is a better quarterback, I'm sorry, but you, who's evaluating it. If he is a better quarterback, which is a very fair point. And I believe the backup quarterback, I believe how you say the last name is Padilla. It's Alex Padilla. So we'll see what kind of happens. But from the Tuesday press conference that Iowa held, uh, Kurt Ferentz announced that Spencer Petrus is still going to be the starter. See, heading that's what I'm getting at. 
And, and somebody asked the question that Sam's hitting on. Well, who's making this decision? And Kirk Ferentz decided not to get into those details. He just kind of stepped aside that question. So many people, especially in Iowa City, are starting to ask those questions and try and get to the core of, okay, who should be accountable? Because, like, look, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Spencer Petrus, and, I, I mean, it's it's really uncomfortable at least i find it uncomfortable to to kind of criticize the the 20 year old kid slash man like you know he's like in that that period and and like he's being told to go out there and that's what like when booze were raining down from kinnick stadium like i mean the peaches it's it's not he's still being put out there so like who should be feeling the accountability and the pressure from this disastrous situation and, and nobody has really the answer yet because so far Iowa has stepped aside from that bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just real quick on his, on Spencer Petrus's stat so far this year, he's 23 of 51 in the two games that he's played. He has a 45% completion rate. He's thrown 200 yards between both games. He's thrown mm-hmm. 200 yards and two interceptions. So it's like, kind of like you said, Dalton, I, I don't feel as bad for, I do feel bad for Petra, sorry, because, you know, he, he is he's going out there. Spot. Yeah, he, he's put in a bad spot because, you know, his while, like you said, he's young. He, he's kind of being thrown out to the wolves here. And, you know, there's only so much he can do on his end. T- to me, you know, I, I have to blame the OC and the head coach for, for two reasons. The, the head coach, because ov- overall, at the end of the day, it's his responsibility. You know, it's Luke Ferentz's job to either fire his OC, replace his OC, get in his OC's butt telling him, you need to change something. We, we have to do something different than whatever it is that you're doing right now. Um, but also the OC, because, again, you're, it doesn't seem like you're playing to your quarterback strengths or you're just like, yeah, we're, we're throwing every – it's like they got all these little pieces of paper and just threw them in a hat with all the plays. And it's like, all right, we're going to pick like our 10 best plays. And that's what we're going to do the whole game. We're not going to do anything different. I'm like, you can't do that. Can we think about one thing? And, and oh, Dalton, we kind of touched upon this last week, was there are wide receiver weapons that have left Iowa and are doing big things at Purdue. Yep. So who missed that evaluation? I'm still stuck on who's evaluating because they're making horrible, horrible choices. And if it's... If it's Kurt Ferenc's son, I don't remember his name. What's his name? Um, Brian. Brian. If it's Brian Ferenc's choice, an evaluation, and he's had receiving weapons leave his program and go do good things elsewhere, and he's still only throwing for 200 yards in two games, come on. Which let me help support your point real quick. I saw this tweet from Don Doxy on Twitter, and, and I'm, I'm not really sure who Don is, but he had tweeted this stat out that Charlie Jones at Iowa last season, the whole year, okay, whole season of work, 21 catches, 323 yards, three tutties. He has to have close to that already after two games, doesn't he? Charlie Jones threw six quarters. Oh, six Purdue. quarters. So a game and a half. Six <laughs> quarters. 21 catches, matching last year's, 286 yards. So he was 37 yards behind yeah, his still, total at comparable. halftime last week. But, and, season uh, two. Well, hang on, hang on, because we still got another step. Oh, geez. 
four touchdowns through six quarters. He already has more touchdowns in the first six quarters this season than he had the entire year in 2021 there in Iowa. And and you know what? That needs to be seen too. This should all be, to me anyways, all be just more and more evidence to give Kirk to say, look, Brian's got to go. We, we know he's your son. You love him. But you have to make this decision. And if if Kirk says, well, I'm not going to do that, we may see him gone, too. Because this can't come. I mean, you have a defense that has to score points to win games. That's that's where we're at with -hmm. this team right now. You have a defense that could win games if the offense could put 17 points on the board. The defense shuts people down. If you can just produce some points, yeah, and they're not doing that, and this, and and it's not just oh, this is two games. This is over the course of about a most of last season. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Even if even if it was just like a mild upgrade to like a middle of the pack offense, yeah. like I feel like that that would still put Iowa top in a very ten good in the Big Ten spot. rather than the fourteenth. Right. Like you, you would still be in contention and at least be in contention for the West right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like with, with this offense and, and much like Sam said, you know, the it if Kirk doesn't want to fire his son, which I don't think he will. And a lot of people have been kind of mentioning it because, you know, as we've seen, Kirk, Kirk just kind of does his own thing. Like he's he's been running this program since 1999. I don't think he's about to change now. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it might just be a package deal. Now, whoever their defensive coordinator is, keep him like he stays Bill Parker, but, but, but everybody else goes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally understand. And, and real quick, cause I, I can see Sam's got something here. Let's, let's get ready to get to a, a quick timeout and, and get ready for the, the second quarter, because let's talk more about what the rest of the West is. Yes. So we talk about Iowa and Sam had mentioned that this team could be battling with Nebraska for last place in the Big Ten West. Well, let's get to Nebraska because <laughs> after week two and a loss to Georgia Southern up there at the top of your screen, if you're on video with us, 45-42, uh, Nebraska not only falls to a one and two mark, but ends up firing head coach Scott Frost. And it's something that you could kind of see coming uh, for a short period of time now. But if you go back to when the hire happened, you thought it was a home run. And I say you because that's the vast majority. A lot of people, including myself, thought, hey, look at this. He, he helped UCF back to that, air quote, national I was championship. Say he got him a national championship in <laughs> Central Florida. Yeah. And then goes to yeah. Nebraska, and you're like, it, it, this makes complete sense. It's, it's going to work out. It's going to be great for, for Lincoln. And it just didn't end up working out. There's a couple things I want to talk about here. But first, I'll, I'll open it up for you two. Whatever it is that stuck out about Georgia Southern knocking off Nebraska. Um, I think it was just the fact that, you know, the the expectations for Nebraska were, were so high. Because they, they do always get a lot of good transfers that come into Nebraska. You know, you got the wide receiver from Texas that came in along with um, uh, Casey Thompson. Um, you, you had a couple really good transfers that come in, you know, they, they lose at least to a division rival at the beginning of the year. It's like, okay, that, that that's okay. You, you can make that work, but then they, you know, they lose to Georgia Southern of all teams. And it's like, again, this is one of those, it was a pay to play game. And of course we, we saw all of those games, all of those teams that they dished out like over a million dollars to these schools to play, you know, Notre Dame, all of them, every single one of the teams that hosted lost. 
So it was like, this, this is just mind blowing. But it's the fact that, you know, Scott Frost couldn't take this team to at least beat the teams that he should. You know, beat the teams outside of the Big Ten that aren't necessarily, you know, powerhouse teams. Like the, you know, Nebraska this weekend faces Oklahoma. We know, and, you know, who knows how that's going to end now that Scott Frost is not the head coach, luckily. But it's like, the the underwhelmingness that Scott Frost was because like you said Dalton he took UCF to like a national championship and I saw his record with uh Jameis Winston and with Jameis Winston his winning record was insane and then ever since without Jameis Winston it, it was just pretty much Nebraska's winning record of what like 15 and 36 in 16 the, and 31 16 and 31 darn it I was close um <laughs> but it it, it's it's sad, but I'm also kind of excited, um, and I'll I'll touch on this a little bit more when we get to our takes. Um, just the potential coaches that are out there for Nebraska to get now to hopefully turn them around. And it is kind of sad that I don't know if you guys have paid attention, but the last two coaches, well, at least big name coaches that have come back to their you know their uh, alma mater, alma mater ha- in the Big Ten have underwhelmed. You know, you look at Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, underwhelmed. And you look at Scott Frost at Nebraska, is completely underwhelmed. And it's like, okay, I get, I get the the fan favoriteness, I get the sentimentality, and you know, they've they've had success in other places. I don't necessarily think that correlates well whenever you come back home because then the expectations are twice as high, and if you fail, you know, that's just that's one less chance that you have to try to get that team back to where it needs to be. At least with Jim Harbaugh, you know, Michigan. I guess is a little bit more understanding than Nebraska has been because, you know, really for Nebraska, it's like, well, the West is open. You know, yeah. you, you have a chance, at least for Michigan. They're like, yeah, we have this, you know, buzzsaw that is Ohio state. Like <laughs> as long as you get close, we, we can work with that. So it, it it's kind of sad. Cause I liked Scott Frost. Um, I don't, I I'm assuming he'll probably get another job. He might have to work his way back up to head coach. Um, but it is kind of disappointing. Although I did like the way that, uh, Scott Frost went out of the building. I'm sure you guys have seen it on TV. And for those that haven't, uh, Scott Frost in a backpack, he gets on the stairwell, the stair rails of the stadium and just slides down and walks away. So, so that had happened like a week or so before. And now that video, everybody's surfacing right as he gets fired. <laughs> and so it's just lining up really unfortunate. And, and real quick before Sam jumps in, um, you had mentioned that Scott Frost with Jameis Winston, but I think you meant Mackenzie Milton, correct? Just to, to yes. tidy that. I thought I had saw one with Jameis Winston that he that he had done like fantastic with Jameis. I'll, I'll look. I don't think he coached Jameis, but you, you can check that. But I think it's Mackenzie Milton just for the the folks at home. Sam, go ahead, jump in. Let's think about something. I mean, honestly, Scott Frost got fired by luck because of luck. Because if we think about the games that they lost last year, let's say they go seven and one in those games. That but they hang lost. on, hang on, Sam, just for a moment, because I, I know you you have this old school mindset and persona no, no. a lot. Yeah. Okay. No, but hang on, but hang on. Let's redefine luck, because a lot of people would say, "Well, that's the winning factor. That's what makes no, winners not. or no, losers." There's good luck and bad luck. And you're going with luck. Okay, go ahead. There's good luck and bad luck. So their luck of not having those or lack thereof luck, let's say that way, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lack of luck and luck. So that they had zero luck last year and lost eight games by less than a touchdown, right? 
they go seven and one in those games. Scott Frost's record is flip flopped, and he's near five hundred. Are we having this conversation today? Probably Absolutely not. Not no, because they probably win the West last year because Iowa backed into that, Correct. and Nebraska probably wins the division last year and gets you know housed by Ohio State or Michigan. I mean, but yeah, I mean so. They he honestly got fired because he has zero luck. Like the last year's team had zero luck, and it did not start well this year either. And and I suppose the the point of contention I have is I would argue some of these weren't just the fate of bad luck as much as it was the coach bad putting coaching. the team in bad spots. Okay, I, and, I, and I that's fair. I witnessed fair. in East Lansing, Nebraska, with a twenty to thirteen lead. And with five minutes left in the game, the special teams, the punt coverage, didn't know which end they were supposed to go to, which side of the field. And oh, wow. Jaden Reed from Michigan State scores a touchdown that ties it up and puts it in overtime for them to win the game. Like, the, And then you go back to this opening weekend uh, of the season against Northwestern and Ireland, up 11, you onside kick, you don't score again, and Northwestern takes all the momentum they had, or that you had. And, and puts it in their own pocket and ends up winning the game. Like, I, I feel like it, it has been mismanaged for a while. Okay. So, I, I although I do believe there are instances where it's been bad luck, I think a lot of it really is a look in the mirror. Okay. And, and, that, and that's fair because I didn't evaluate Nebraska's season last year. I just see the end product and go, oh, my gosh, really? There are a couple of plays of winning that game. Fair. Absolutely. Which, which they still are. But it's because of bad coaching that put them in that position where they were behind, or they didn't get that luck, you know. Yep. So okay. let's Fair let's enough. talk too real quick about the Scott Frost buyout. Which Tony did just to to circle back and and tie the loop. Did you end up finding that? Yeah, I don't know why I thought James once. I, I was like, wait, he played at Florida State. That yeah, that that's why. <laughs> See, kids, this, this is why you double you. check your work before you do this. Like, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's that's not Big Ten. That's 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 ACC. So <laughs> that's right. True, true. That's probably why. <laughs> um, okay, so Scott Frost, his buyout, fifteen million dollars gets paid to Scott Frost, and. That's the video Tony referenced that a lot of people are putting as he's sliding down the staircase rails with $15 million in his pocket. Um, again, for some of the listeners who aren't aware of the contract situation, had Nebraska waited until October 1st, the contract gets different. His buyout would drop to $7.5 million. So Nebraska, if the Huskers would have been willing to wait two weeks two to three weeks at the time when they made the firing, uh, they would have saved seven and a half million dollars. What do you folks make of that? Let me jump on this first, Tony. <laughs> I I think it was a great move because if they were really set that they didn't want Scott Frost as their coach, why would they put their players through two to three more games worth of that if they know that they're making the move? So seven and a half million dollars is worth it to make sure and send the message that, look, we are we're dedicated to winning. We think we have the winners here potentially, and we think this is the best move. Doesn't matter how much it costs us. Mm -hmm. So I think that it, I personally think that it was a statement by Trev Alberts, uh, the AD, to say, look, the money doesn't matter. We want to win now. Or we want to we want to get back to winning it now. 
So that may not happen this year, but you know, it's going, it, that's what they're dedicated to do. So I think it was a good move. Uh, it, why, why for seven and a half million, you know, I mean, you could say like, look, we're waiting 18 more days and, we'll be, and then you're fired. Come on. Let's just let him have his $15 million. Just let him have it and let's get going. And I think that's what Trev Alberts decided. Yeah. And, and not only that, kind of, I was getting ready to say to your point, Samuel, you look at the players and the production, like the production is still there on the field. Like I was looking at the stats just now. Um, so in three games that Casey Thompson has played, he's uh, 97 attempts, 62 completions. He's got about a 64% completion rating. He's thrown 866 yards, four touchdowns and three interceptions. And the, the receiving game for Nebraska is insane and i want to partially give that credit to their interim coach right now mickey joseph who was lsu's wide receiver coach from 2019 to 21 so of course coach jamar chase justin jefferson you know terrence marshall um probably a little bit of thaddeus moss even though he's a tight end um but the stats for their top three wide receivers so trey palmer he's all trey palmer and marcus washington have both played in three games Trey Palmer has 18 receptions, 231 yards, but no touchdowns. Marcus Washington has 10 receptions, 181 yards, zero touchdowns. And then Isaiah Garcia Castaneda has four receptions for 120 yards and one touchdown. So the the production is there. Like this is a good Nebraska team. And it's one of those, I kind of hate it whenever for coaches, it's like, oh, there's kind of the end of the tunnel. Because then it's like, okay, now I'm going to coach the best I've ever coached. So, yeah, in those next 15 days, maybe he wins both games in just dominating fashion, and Nebraska just looks like the best team in the Big Ten West. And you can't fire him because then all of a sudden he's turned it around. Yeah, and then, but then again, as soon as that happens, the minute that he drops, it's like, oh, well, we should have done this a long time uh-huh. ago. We should have already fired. So that that's where I think, you know, much to your point, I think it was a good idea. Just kind of rip the Band-Aid off now, get it over with, because it – it's not going to do you any good if he if he stays there. And again, who knows what Mickey Joseph can do? Because again, you you have the talent. It just seems like you know, and we've seen that with all sorts of teams. They can put the pieces there, but they can't get everything to click together, and that's okay. Well, and it's hard to go home. So yeah. Scott Frost may go somewhere else and be just fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, coming home, you've got to make those decisions, and you maybe you overthink a little bit. I don't know that that happened to Scott Frost, but it's possible that that could be something that happened that he just it was so much pressure because i don't how do you take somebody like ucf and coach them the way you did right to a hypothetical or actual national championship one year i mean how does that happen you don't do it by accident and it's not just the players you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. he's not a bad coach no i and and i'm excited i don't feel bad for him because he got 15 million (laughs) oh yeah yeah, I well, don't feel bad at all. I'm glad this conversation has played out this way because I, I think we're going to have an interesting discussion now. And I, I do want Tony to hold the thought, though, where he, he looks at the rest of the Nebraska season because I, I do want to talk about the, the whole West in general in a yeah. moment. But going back to this buyout and and Nebraska paying the full $15 million instead of waiting two, three weeks to, to get it to $7.5 million, I'm on the other side of the fence, which really? makes this a good conversation. Uh the reason why is and and look, Nebraska is not the only example. 
money gets thrown around for buyouts of coaches all the time. And I think going back to 2005, I saw the stat that was tweeted for Nebraska. Let me make sure I give credit. Brad Crawford from Twitter said, with Scott Frost firing, Nebraska has paid more than $50 million in buyout money since 2005 to failed football and basketball coaches. Now, that's a lot. And I know (laughs) normally – we, we see these numbers and we just kind of carry on like that's that's such an excess. And in terms of like an overall scheme of things, looking at college athletics, such a waste of money and resources that goes into those buyout contracts. That's a whole nother conversation. But coming off the tail end of the pandemic where you saw a lot of video coordinators, you saw a lot of different directors, videographers inside the athletic departments whose salaries aren't even close to that, having positions eliminated and wiped out because schools were telling you, we just can't afford it right now. You're seeing programs get wiped out across the country where they say, sorry, we just can't allocate the resources. But this program decided we can't wait at the time 20 days to fire our head coach. We got to get rid of him now. And, and to me, Given the the context of what we've seen in terms of just absolutely wasting away people's livelihoods that have been in those athletic departments, that to me is what makes that gross. I saw your hand raised, yeah. Sam. Go ahead, jump in. Now, I, and this is this is a serious like uh, I'm I'm part of a, a not for profit committee uh, mm-hmm. for a, a holiday drive uh, uh, Christmas display light uh, drive through. Uh, thing okay i kind of want to go to that yeah it's pretty cool you should come down we could take you to it um but what we do is we get donations from places and if they earmark it specifically for something we can't use it for anything else or Mm -hmm. do we know if the nebraska university itself paid that or was it donations from alums with that earmark specifically i don't have that answer that's a good point though because yeah. because by law, you can't do anything with that money other than what it is earmarked for. Correct. So if you have donors or you know alumni, friends of the, the program, say, here's $5 million, do it towards Scott Frost's buyout. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, here's another five. Oh, okay. So all in all, we had 14 million of it covered by donors. We're, we as a university are paying out a million. So it's not... And, and I'm, not, I'm not taking away from your your example because, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's money that's wasted all over the place and people losing jobs for the, who make much less and you're buying out for this. But if you have that donorship with it earmarked, you can't do anything with that money other than buy them out. It's it's a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up. And and. <laughs> it's, it's a really good point. I would just say in general, if you're able to yeah. make up the seven point five million during that pandemic, there's no excuse then to be cutting other student athletes programs and taking it away from them. And I don't cutting disagree with that. At and, all. and I think we found our middle ground here. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with how this, yeah, this how'd you like that? We, 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 we were adulting right there. Like we, we pulled that one off. <laughs> you thought so, there might be a disagreement and we, we worked right through that, buddy. Well, no, Hey, I, I, and this is, I mean, this is kind of, the, we could have disagreed. That would have been fine too. This is the, the opposite of what a lot of sports media talk is, but this is a real nice, genuine conversation. Tony, are you kind of in the kumbaya? Where are you at now? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of agree. Cause again, it, 
it, it makes more sense if, if it's alumni, because you think about it, alumni, you know, these are guys that have played there, that have had a lot of success there. You know, they've gone off and made a whole bunch of their own money. They're probably in the same boat. They're like, okay, we, because it's not like the NFL, because the NFL, you know, some people are always confused about those salaries. Those coaches' salaries come out of the owner's pocket. You know, mm-hmm. they pay them, like that money is guaranteed whether they're there or not. Like they already get that money. Um, so yeah, for universities, you know, that, that's not the case. And if you're alumni, you don't want to see your team fail like that because that's, that's a lot of crap that you have to get from other people. And, you know, for you, it is an investment because it's like, yeah, this, this is my team. This is who I'm proud of. So it's like, yeah, we, we need to, we need to buy old Scott out. Like, you know, we, 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 we can afford to dish it out now. And, and like, you know, Sam said, if it's, you know, a couple, two or three, here's, you know, four or five million dollars each or heck it could be you know 20 of them like hey well, we'll didn't they we'll start a GoFundMe page during that game for him i i i heard in passing <laughs> no seriously i heard in passing on, on the radio somebody said something about a GoFundMe page for the buyout of scott frost and I thought I saw at least petitions being made. It was okay. one of those deals, oh, yeah. too. You know there's always at least one petition or at least one <laughs> go funding when everything was going downhill. It's like, no, nah, it's... it's, it's and look, see now, we'll, by we'll law... We'll get the money raised. See now, by law, if they would have raised $10,000 and gave it to the to the university with it earmarked as the part of the buyout for Scott Frost, that's what it would have to go towards. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. Okay, so real quick, because I know we're running heavy here. Big Ten... West, Not as normal... I know. Well, for as much as I want to throw in here right sure. before we get to halftime. Sure. Um, Big 10 West. We've talked about it. Iowa yeah. right now, more punts than points. 16 punts, 14 points. That's the year totals for the Hawkeyes. Uh, we talked about Nebraska losing the head coach. Uh, Purdue, we haven't talked much about recently, but you had the opening weekend where you had Penn State on the ropes, mismanaged the clock, you could probably say, end up losing that game carrying on since Minnesota. We haven't seen the Gophers play anybody yet. We don't really know how to evaluate Minnesota. And then finally, Wisconsin loses at home to Wazoo this past weekend. There it is. 1714. If you're joining us on a visual medium up at the top, Wazoo gets the win in Madison. Uh, Guys, we had this conversation at the beginning of the year, who's going to win the big 10 West. And we all kind of took different interpretations and tried to dissect this thing through two weeks. I still have zero idea what to make of the Big Ten West. And all I know is somebody has to go play in Indianapolis. Who do you guys even kind of default to at this point? I mean, to me, I, I still default to Minnesota. Um, okay. I know, I know, like you said, they haven't really played anybody, and they haven't. But it's like looking at everybody else. I was say Nebraska they, lost to Georgia Southern. They say they lost to Georgia Southern, <laughs> you know. Wisconsin lost to Washington State, which, you know, that that was also due to in part of Washington State's running back. If I remember right, it's uh, Watson is actually the no Watson is not the transfer from uh, Wisconsin. They're one of their running backs that did really well is actually a Wisconsin transfer. That is Uh, correct. Let me look at the name. I can't remember. I I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had a great game against Wisconsin. And a lot of it was Washington State just decided that they were gonna they were going to just take care of the football. And that's really all they did was, you know, they didn't ask their quarterback to do a whole lot. Um, They were able to run the ball effectively. And it just seemed like Wisconsin is still trying to find their identity on the offense. Um, I know you had talked about uh, Dalton, their running back um, a little bit earlier in the season, kind of watch. Yeah. uh, Allen. 
And, and by it, the way, Watson was the correct name, Tony, just to, to help was out it? there. Okay. It Oof. was Watson. So I, look I saw he was from like Texas. I'm like, no, he's not. He's, he's they said he's from <laughs> Wisconsin. No, he's not. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of surprises me. Like I said, um, and I mean, I know I joked about it the first time I was on here that I didn't like Wisconsin because of my ex-wife. Um, but <laughs> it's like offensively, I still don't really care for Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, Minnesota's like the only team in the West now that has a quote unquote clean record. And I mean, other than Purdue, I feel like those are really the only two teams really competing for the West right now. I, I love, sorry, Sam. I love the idea oh, of, of get out of Madison because of my ex-wife, stay out because of Graham Mertz. Like, yes. That's, yes. That's like, every time, every time. <laughs> I, I, I still think it's Purdue. Um, they played against Penn State. And look, we we passed around the power rankings of the Big 10 and the top 4 teams are Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. Yep. So the fourth best team in considered in the power rankings, Purdue had them beat and just played sloppy. So I'm still not worried that they are going to clean that up and they're going to I think they'll beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin right now, unless they do something they're I mean, they're going to get tripped up and I think Purdue might do that too. Well, uh, and Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's important to remember too, when we talk about Purdue, the big deal, because every big 10 West team instantly looks to see what their crossover games are against the East to yeah. really kind of curtail their chances and their odds of winning the division. Uh, Purdue had Penn State to open the weekend in the other two. They really got a good luck of the draw on. So Purdue can absolutely handle the schedule in front of them. Yeah. I'm pulling up Minnesota's now because Minnesota has Colorado at home uh, this weekend. And then after that, I mean, that's the end of the non-conference. So they'll get into Big Ten play and we'll learn a little bit more about Minnesota. September 24th, uh, next weekend when they go to Spartan Stadium, they're going to take on Michigan State. And then Minnesota has Purdue at home, at Illinois, at Penn State, home against Rutgers, at Nebraska, home against Northwestern, home against Iowa, at Wisconsin. So the crossovers are Michigan State, Penn State, and Rutgers. That's that's not going to be the easiest. That's a difficult one. Yeah, that's Comparatively, difficult. if you compare it to Purdue to Minnesota. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, Purdue has say, by far because it's IU and uh, Maryland, I believe, are their Purdue's crossover. got the best possible schedule. Yeah, and, and by the way, Maryland's not going to be a pushover this year. No, though. no, I'm not saying that, but they're they're the easier of the, the yeah, they're the easier to, of the to go against. No argument. I just it, it's it's getting real the competition and the depth yeah. a little bit of the East. Like yeah. Maryland isn't far behind with Talia Tungavailoa and those 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 are NFL receivers. Uh -huh. that, that Maryland has. So like, that's a handful. Even. It's not going to be, it's not a gimme by any means. I'm not saying Correct. that it's a but it's an easier game than going to the horseshoe. But it used to be a gimme. And I guess that's oh, the sure, point. I'm sure. trying to make. Yeah. 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 I don't disagree at all. I mean, and we talked about this last week that Nebraska and Purdue had the best crossovers. Well, now it's not going to matter for Nebraska. I don't think, no. I think they're going to be kind of a, are you guys comfortable writing Nebraska off? Um, <sighs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't know because okay, you know I what? Mean... If you get if you get if you get those hard, you know, the 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 luck 
you know, the luck that, that they were lacking all of a sudden because of coaching decisions go in their favor, they might turn things around and be eight and four or whatever. But it's well, well here's so here's the rest of Nebraska's schedule. So they host Oklahoma this coming weekend. Oof. Then they're they could then be. they're then they're on their bye week and then they host Indiana. Then they go to Rutgers. They go, IU. they go to Purdue. Then they host Illinois, and then they end the season. They end their season with hosting Minnesota. So I, I'm comfortable with writing them off because I feel like out of that schedule, maybe a win against Rutgers, maybe a win against Illinois, IU kind of a toss up, and then I have them losing to Oklahoma, Purdue, and Minnesota. So it's like I. And and for for this instance, go ahead take Oklahoma out because if we're just looking at Big Ten, I mean, as bad as Nebraska's been, they're zero and one. Like that's yeah. you can do something still, but oh, Tony's comfortable writing them Purdue's off. Purdue's zero and one. Yeah, well, Purdue's zero and one, and we're still right. Well, yeah, it's not divisional, well, but yeah, it's such saying, a zero and one in Big Ten. Now. Huh? It's such a mess. I don't yeah. really know what to to do with this. Be- and yeah, go ahead. When it comes to Nebraska, I honestly, they could have had a 10-win season last year with ease. Yep. So they didn't, like, completely lose their whole entire offense and defense and returners and everything. Like, they have returning players from that team. So it's feasible to see that they could pick off some of these bigger teams that are, you know – that you automatically kind of think with how they're performing last year record-wise and how they performed this year record-wise, that that's going to be an L because they've been so horrible. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot. now they've got those players in place, and maybe you have a different coaching decisions made to where they're winning a a few of those. They could be six, seven wins, honestly. Oh, sorry. I missed missed the last three games. It it didn't fully load. Um, So after they host Minnesota, then they go to Michigan – then they host Wisconsin, and then they go to Iowa. I mean, I, they're going to win against Iowa. Well, That's Iowa could be definitive. Iowa could be three nothing in a barn burner at the end. Yeah, sixty-five yard field goal or something. So it's it's going to be entertaining, nonetheless. It's the only to try game that doesn't go out. inside the red zone. <laughs> I mean, if if you love college football, which we do, and, yeah. and really you love it because it's so perfectly imperfect. I mean, that's what college football is. It's what makes it the best sport. This is going to be a ride you're going to want to be on for the next two months, the Big Ten West, just to figure out. You're going to have so many moments you're like, what? Why? How many of those games are you going to look at and go, oh, my God, this is horrible football? You know what I mean? Quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah, it makes it all the more fun. All right. <laughs> We're running heavy. Let's get to a halftime break. When we come back, we'll preview this weekend's games. See you in a minute. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. I'm Richie, a.k.a. Midnight Agent Raw. I'm Devin, a.k.a. Special Delivery Dev. We're the Super Media Bros Podcast. And each week, we give a comedically informative take on movies, music, television, pro wrestling, and much more. Check us out at SuperMediaBrosPodcast.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Shades on. We're off. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Richie. I'm Little Matt. 
And here in the 500 Section Lounge, we are three dads who host a family-friendly weekly podcast. Yep, we laugh, we go on tangents, we talk to great guests. Tangents? I I don't know what you're talking about with that. You know, there are gases leaking. Uh, All right, all right, okay. Yeah, we have legendary conversations from sports to history and everything in between. So be on the lookout for what we do next. And always be there to grab grab a listen. listen. I All did right. the double tap. You didn't see it. Did you see it pop up and then go away? Because yeah, I accidentally the, double tapped it. Visually it looked great. It just, the, the tweet didn't come through. <laughs> All right. Third quarter, second half. Let's get it underway. We got some big games coming up this weekend in what is one of the kind of final non-conference weekends, you could say. We're going to get some a lot of Big Ten games starting next weekend. Uh, but this weekend, there's some bigger matchups taking place. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with. Ooh, what, do you guys have a preference? Sam, you got graphics. Go ahead. I, hit I want you dealer's you choice. Dealer choice. So you you pick. You decide which way we go right now. Let's go Michigan State and Washington then. Boom. Cap, there it is. Here. Michigan State, Washington. Heading out to Seattle and uh, seeing what Michigan State has in store for the Huskies. Now, Keep in mind, the odds right now have Washington as a favorite. Michigan State is ranked 11th in the country, 9th in the, yeah, in the coaches poll. 11th. And right now, Washington is favored in this game. I think it's three and a half points. So we yeah, automatically I mean, get three when you're hosting, right? Correct. So three and a half. So they're saying it's a pick em game, basically. Kind of, yeah. But for, mm-hmm. for an 11th ranked team and a non-ranked team to be in a pick em, it's kind of bizarre. What do you guys take away here? Well, my question is, is I, I know next to nothing about Washington other than I. Well, let me start here then. Let at. me let me throw this in for you because their quarterback's a familiar face for the listeners. Michael Penix Jr., the oh, old okay. Indiana quarterback, oh, yeah. has transferred there. He's teamed up with his old offensive coordinator from his Bloomington days. Michael Penix Jr. is there. Also last year, Washington's secondary was the best pass defense in the country. So there's some different things to work on here. Now go ahead. Okay. Well, um, that, that makes that makes a little bit more sense, I guess. But what we've got to look at is, is I don't think maybe they worry about whether or not Michigan State's gotten uh, pressure and stuff without blitzing. You know what I mean? So, like, they've got their dogs that if they're going to try to run, they can put a spy on Penix. And, and follow him around because I know he does like to run. Uh, but, like, if they can get that that pressure, the defense pressure, with without having to blitz the pressure, they can spy on Penix, and I think that that, that gives Michigan State the edge. Now, the, the secondary has been the issue with Michigan State's defense, so mm-hmm. it's whether or not they can get Penix on the move quicker so it's not a reliant on the the secondary to make plays or too many plays, let's say it that way, to where I think, I don't know, I think Washington maybe is a little bit better even though they're unranked uh, than what people are probably thinking they are, but I don't understand. I, I, I would take Michigan State in the points. And, and by the way, you talk about that defense, and you, you mentioned spying on Penix. Michigan State's linebacking core, even with losing Darius Snow, is still a great, great core and a fast core, one of the faster linebacking groups they've had in years. Tony, what do you got? 
Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of the same way with Sam. It's like, I didn't really know a whole lot about Washington until you said that. I know if you look at it from a PAC 12 perspective, I mean, they're quote unquote, one of, one of the better teams in, in the PAC 12, you know, North, uh, even though the PAC 12 got rid of divisions, you know, it, there, there's kind of a reason why the big 10 is even flirting with them coming in, but it, it is crazy that Michigan state being ranked, Michigan state being ranked 11th and they're underdogs going into Washington, which is a little crazy. I was also trying to look up what their statistics were for their O line last year, at least um, like where they ranked just cause I wanted to see like, potentially how that O-line would do against, you know, Michigan State's pass rush. Mm-hmm. I will say as far as, you know, you know, Michael Penix, I don't think he's a bad quarterback because I do remember, you know, that COVID year with Indiana. I mean, he did fantastic. I mean, they took Ohio State down to the wire. You know, there's a lot of people said that Indiana should have represented the East that year in the Big Ten Championship. By their uh, original rules, they should have. Yes, and I was getting ready to say they, of course, changed the rules for Ohio State to, to go in there. Um, which I know a lot of people they you know give Ohio State a lot of a lot of grief about that they literally changed the rules for you guys to get you guys <laughs> in. Um, but I mean it, I it, it's a little bit crazy. I th- I think Michigan has the better offense. Um, now, like Dalton said last year, their secondary was or yeah, Michigan State. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry, I know. I could see you. You. I could see your ears lighting up, like Uh like turning red. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I see Michigan State's offense being being better. Um. Just purely because, again, nothing against Penix. I don't know if Washington at least has the offensive power to be able to keep up with Michigan State more than anything. And by the way, guys, when we start talking about Michigan State's defense, it's time for the the country to notice Jacoby Winman. Like, that is the name that people need to start locking in. Jacoby Winman. So far this season, through two games, he has six and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. He leads the country in all three categories. Seriously, everybody, put eyes on Jacoby Winman. Number four, he's the transfer from UNLV. This guy is, he's going to be a pro's pro. Like, it's, absolutely start paying attention and buy stock in him now. And by the way, for Michigan State's offense, I know Tony was talking a little bit about that. Broussard and Berger last week running for five touchdowns between the two of them. It's a big thumbs up. You're starting to really see what that combo in that backfield. We talked a lot about the depths before the year, what it actually can look like. All right, real quick, we got a couple other games we want to move to. Penn State at Auburn. Folks, what do we think here? <sighs> Do you want to go first, Sam, or you want me to? Go ahead. By the way, by the way, Penn State favored by three points on the road here for on this road. Week. Yeah, that. See, this is one I'm I'm a little bit more shocked about because I'm like, how how are you going to say Michigan State's not favored <laughs> when they're <laughs> the 11th ranked team in the nation, but Penn State going down into Auburn, which you know I don't know about you guys if you've ever watched the Iron Bowl, especially if Auburn hosts. That is a crazy college environment. What is this iron bowl you speak of? (laughs) Um, But for Penn State to go down there, and again, like like we kind of talked about earlier when they faced Purdue, Purdue was the better team. It wasn't like Penn State just went in there and, you know, had their way with everything. This this is one of those to me, I I have Auburn 
Auburn should be more heavily favored than what they are. You know, Auburn is, has almost always consistently been a team that even though they're not they're not always ranked or they're not, you know, the, the prettiest or flashiest team, they get wins. They may not be pretty wins, but they get wins. And I, I think Auburn beats Penn State pretty easily. Okay. Sam? Is this a knock on Purdue? Because your example of, you know, well, they went and played Purdue. Come on. Maybe Purdue's that good, and <laughs> no, Penn no, no, State's really I mean. that good. And yeah, then that's what because I mean. every every time I see rankings for the East, Penn State's number three. Yeah, well, I don't know why. That's because they 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 say that you know Penn State is is that good. So I maybe maybe this is accurate. I have Michigan State higher than Penn State, but that doesn't mean that I'm right. You know, when when they go play on on the field, you know. We may be talking next week that, you know, oh, my gosh, Penn State went and, you know, thumped Auburn and Michigan State got beat. Well, maybe I'm wrong with my – so I, it's tough. Penn State's good. I mean, they, they, they're, they're really, really good. It's just I don't I – don't, my problem is, is I don't know how good Auburn really is. And, and again, <clears throat> excuse me. As we talk about teams and kind of having a hard time gauging them, given what they've played so far, Auburn's played Mercer and San Jose State. There's a, not a lot to take away yet. Right. So, I mean, they went through a horrid offseason with the whole thing with their coach, you know, their coach. And, you know, was he going to get fired? Is he, you know, on his on the hot seat? Now he's fine. You know, all this. And then, oh, he, by the way, you better win because if not, you're going to, your butt's out the door. I mean, I don't know anybody that has a worse outlook on this season than him coming into it. You know, like if I don't produce wins, I'm going to be out on my butt. And you got to remember, too, he lost his star quarterback to Oregon in yeah. the offseason. Bo Nix is yep. gone. So that's right. So I mean, that's why I don't know about Auburn. I mean, they could be good. I don't know though. And and look, if Auburn's going to win this game, they're going to have to be able to run the football because Penn yeah. State secondary so far. I mean, again, they lost Jaquan Brisker to the NFL this this past year, and 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 when that happened, I was like, well, wow, that's that's going to be a void. It's it's not like Penn State has so much depth in that secondary. Penn State's only allowing forty eight percent passes to be completed at this point. In time, so far, real quick, yeah. This should be a knock on Iowa even more because Charlie Jones still had what twelve catches and one hundred thirty <laughs> plus yards against Penn State's secondary. <clears throat> yep, he wouldn't have had ten yards if he was at Iowa. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> so I mean, um, yeah, go ahead. But so if if Auburn's going to win, it's going to have to be by controlling the trenches. Which, by the way, Penn State's front. It's a good group there on defense. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much I, I I really see that. Where I think it gets into trouble and and where I'm lacking knowledge is Auburn's front seven. I don't know how talented they are, yeah. but I know Penn State's offensive line is an issue. And if that's where – if Auburn's going to win the game, I imagine that's where it is, exploiting the, the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball. That's yeah. how I think that plays. Um, all right, real quick, we'll do one more before we get to the fourth quarter. Purdue – Syracuse, the odds makers have this even, yep, have this a a pick them between Purdue and Syracuse. Tony, we'll start with you. Well, actually, Sam's the, the Purdue guy, right? Let's so let's boiler maker. Let's let's boiler up with Sam. What do we got? I'm taking Purdue and the points <laughs> since they're not given any. Uh, 
I think Purdue's better than what the if they're one and one. They lost to Penn State. They're better than that. I, I honestly, they should be two and zero. They should be low ranked, my opinion. You know, but there there were some some hiccups. They kind of corrected those with a get better game last week against Indiana State. And I think while I th- don't hate Syracuse, I just think that Purdue is going to be the better team. They're not going to have to deal with weather. And will Syracuse pack it? pack the carrier dome and make it loud maybe but i think purdue has just got the better better offense and they're i think they're gonna win tony yeah i don't i don't really know a lot about syracuse as far as how they've done this season again they're not one of those teams they they're they're never bad but they they haven't really like stood out to me for in at least in football in in years so it's like i i would take purdue pretty pretty easily again just because of purdue's offense and, you know, we kind of saw last week when Purdue beat up on poor little old Indiana State. Down oh, there, so. uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, the Indiana State game was kind of a revenge because, like Sam said, they, they had Penn State beat for the most part throughout the entirety of that game. Um, it just came down to penalties and whatnot and just kind of more Definitely. luck in and, and that, too. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I like Purdue's offense. I think it, I don't think Syracuse is going to be able to match that by by any means because Purdue I feel like is in one of those positions right now. They can do quick quick strike scoring abilities and Purdue's pass rush. You know, even though they lost, you know, uh, George Carlofkis, Carlofkis, Carlofkis to you know to the Chiefs in the NFL. You know, that pass rush by committee has been pretty good. And, I mean, they gave Penn State a lot of disruption in that game, and that was a much better offense for them to face. So I, I like Purdue in this one. I'm going to I'm gonna take Purdue by seven. What I want to mention about this game – or, Sam, did you have something real quick? No. <laughs> what I want to mention about this game, the over-under right now is currently set at 58-and-a-half, and I would be stunned if it goes under. Between Purdue's offense yeah. – and Syracuse, right now, one thing you do need to know about Syracuse for the listeners at home, Garrett Schrader is the quarterback for the Cues. Right now, he's completing seventy more than 79% of his passes. Better than 79% of his passes. He's thrown for 528 yards, five TDs, no interceptions, and this is against Louisville in an at-UConn game. But the point being that Garrett Schrader can light it up through the air. So between him and Aiden O'Connell, I think we're set in for maybe a bit of a firework game between these two. And uh, I, I think maybe ultimately it does go Purdue's way. I like, I just trust their offense more yeah. and, and I trust what Purdue has with Brom. Um, but nonetheless, this should be a high scoring affair. I think this should be a fun one to watch if, if you're looking for something on your Saturday. It'll definitely keep you on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Real quick, let's move to the fourth quarter and get to our headlines. Well, once I can find it, Dalton. <laughs> There's the whistle, and we're ready to go with the headlines. So, uh, as always, we start off with Tony Hollinsworth and the Tony Tribune, right? Not Times. Yep. Tony. Tony Tribune. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I'm actually prepared this time. I, I came prepared. Time. Jeez. <laughs> so I know, right? For I think this is a first. Yeah. Um, so I kind of mentioned it earlier. So with Scott Frost being fired, um, there are now three coaches, three potential names that have been thrown out there to be actually four, if you want to count this last one, I'll throw him in there, uh, to be Nebraska's next head coach. That is uh, current interim head coach Mickey Joseph, 
Uh, he has the best. Uh, he has the best odds. Um, Matt Campbell from Iowa State is second as far as being the next potential head coach. Mark Stoops, Bob Stoops' brother, the current head coach of Kentucky, also has odds to be the coach. Now, with Mark Stoops, there's maybe a little bit more of a kind of hiccup there because uh, just last year, Stoops agreed to an extension through 2027 uh, with Kentucky. So would they potentially get him? I, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the the man's name has always been thrown out there, I think, with every uh, college Jim Harbaugh. No, not Jim Harbaugh. Urban Meyer has also been named as a possible oh, name geez. to Nebraska, which I'm like, no, Urban, just don't don't do that. This whole NFL experience like tainted everything about your legacy. Unfortunately, don't 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 do that to yourself. Just just stay where you're at. Don't don't make things any worse than what they are. Um, but out of these, I. I like uh, I like Mickey Joseph. I also do like uh, this the um, uh, Mark Stoops to to Nebraska. I like Mickey Joseph just because again I, I like what he's been able to do with I, uh, Nebraska's offense. I hope he's able to continue to do that. Now with Stoops, I kind of like Stoops a little bit better only because somebody brought it up of what more can you really do at Kentucky? You know, Kentucky has been very good the last couple of years. He's one of only, he's one of the few coaches that has a 10 win season, like two of the four 10 win seasons in Kentucky's history. And he owns half of them, at least for football, because I don't know about you, gents. I've always known Kentucky is a basketball school football. They have not really been good until the last couple of years. And if you look at Kentucky, where they're at, just being in the SEC, you're not, you're not beating Bama. You're not beating Georgia. You're not beating Florida on a bad day. Well, actually, you did beat Florida on a bad day. Michael, did beat Florida. <laughs> yeah, I got, I Backtrack that quickly. But again, you're you're not getting far in the SEC. So if I'm Stoops, it's like, yeah, you can. You're doing great for Kentucky. You're great where you're at. You would probably have a better chance winning the Big Ten and the Big Ten West with Nebraska than you would staying in the SEC. But that, but that's just me. Well, I think it's a great point. The only kind of but I would throw in there is as conference realignments happening, division realignments going to happen yeah. too. So we don't know exactly what Nebraska is going to be playing in and, and what that looks like. Cause if they're with Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state at some point, Ooh, it's, it's a little more tough sledding. Going to get extra ugly. And it's, I always spell that U L G Y Olgi. For why? Why, why am I missing When it's that? extra special ugly. That's that would be what no, when Nebraska <laughs> okay. being <Yeah>. ULGY. <laughs> but yeah. interest, interesting what Tony brings there for, for the, the next Nebraska coach. I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated to see what Trev Alberts – and Trev Alberts did say during his press conference where he talked about this, he said, look, you're going to hear rumors. You're going to hear that I spoke to so-and-so. And he goes, and it's probably true. That doesn't mean I'm offering the job. Like he set the context He'll talk and, to anybody. and set the standard. He goes, he goes, I, I know a lot of coaches from my time doing TV, doing all these different things. Playing. I'm going to call a lot of people. So that's the perspective. When you start hearing names, yep. don't start freaking out that that's going to be the next guy. That's that's an important note. As well, well. You, you know, even though you say that, there will still be people that freak out. A hundred percent. I'm I'm doing my best with damage control. It just doesn't really. That's, uh... that's when you can say, "Look, I told you to calm down and just be patient. <laughs> yeah, I told right. you that. Stop. 
All right, Sam with the Sam Sentinel. What do we got? Well, I'm going to uh, uh, a 2024 member of the Big Ten uh, with with the Sam Sentinel. Uh, I saw an article, and I cannot remember. Let me let me see if I can find it while I'm talking about it. But uh, um, quarterback of the USC Trojans, Caleb uh, Williams, correct? Yep, you got it. Um, and I didn't save the graphics. Great. Um, Caleb Williams got a big NIL deal to come to or to when he transferred to uh, USC from Oklahoma. Right. And, you know, people are like, of course, you know, it's an obvious move to the uh, to USC because you're going to get so much more NIL money. And, you know, it's just a money grab or whatever. I don't necessarily agree with all the parameters of NAL, but I love to highlight when good things happen with it. So Caleb Williams was seen handing money, beats, headphones to the custodians, to the uh, lower end coaches that maybe didn't get, don't get that recognition uh, from his NIL money. So he's he's giving you know just kind of tip, big tips to bigger tips to these people because he knows that it takes the entire staff to make sure that their team has everything set the way they need it and he is using that money that he's getting for his name image and likeness mm-hmm. to share the wealth with with those people that don't normally get recognized and and there were players saying yeah we 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 really honestly we witnessed him walking up to the to people that were workers there and just handing them some beats headphones and saying, thank you for what you do. You don't go unnoticed. And that is an amazing thing to do in this day and age of a lot of players think that they're entitled mm-hmm. and I work hard for this money. It's my money, which that's their, their prerogative, but that is the stuff that gets thrown out there as this is NIL. But the stuff of Caleb Williams putting, you know, some of that NIL money back into the program in, at the lower range and giving gifts to those people that make his life easier. Amazing job. I'm 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 going to eat a little bit more root for Caleb Williams just because uh, USC take him or leave him or whatever. But, you know, he 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 gets a little bit higher boost in my book because, wow, what what a great move. What a grateful move. So that's the same Sentinel. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and you know, kind of roping it back to the Big Ten, you saw that with C.J. Stroud recently where he bought his team uh, suits and, and yeah. kind of dressed the entire team. I mean, a little bit different, but I, it's just – it's really cool sure. to see some of these star quarterbacks uh, doing some cool things. That's a, that's a great note. They recognize that while they're making the money and making the names, they're still they're, – there have to be people there helping him do – helping them get there. So yeah. it's nice to see that they're rewarding uh, those people helping them get to that. I mean, because if CJ Stroud isn't the quarterback of Ohio state and doing so well, he doesn't get that NIL money. And right. so those people helping him get to that, he recognizes that and good on him too. Tony, yeah, did you it, jump on that? I you say, and it, it just kind of helps reaffirm that, you know, football is a team sport. You know, these like these guys are talented and they, they have to work, but you know, you can be the best quarterback yeah. out there, but if you don't have anybody to throw to, you know, you you're not gonna be good. Same with wide receivers, you know, like 
like, and I know we keep bringing it back to Iowa. You know, the only person that's really carrying the Iowa team right now is the punter. Like his back hurts from having to carry <laughs> Iowa currently, but you know, like, you know, Charlie Jones, if he stays on Iowa, Charlie Jones doesn't have nearly the season that he's having like he is with Purdue right now. And that's because of the fact well, that he might have an entire team. season. He might have an entire season that's like what yeah. he's had right now. <laughs> yeah. But again, that, that just kind of reaffirms that, you know, th- this is a team thing. You know, you, you have to have other people to help you succeed. And yes. I just think it's great that these guys are, are sharing their mm-hmm. success with those those that are getting them that. So yes, it's a good yeah, feel that, good. And, and it's one of those things that kind of reminds you it's bigger than just a game. And you kind of wish some of those values and principles would spread beyond the lines and into society where more and more people uh, kind of led by example, the way Caleb Williams has. Well, and story. here's the thing. The nice thing is that those rules are in place to allow that mm-hmm. because now those, those kids aren't getting in trouble because you know, this player, took money under the table and had cash and he gave other players. You all of a sudden just infected the entire team. Mm -hmm. Whereas now at least it's available and these guys can give a couple hundred bucks, thousand dollars, even if they chose that much to give to these people uh, as a thank you. You know, I mean, uh, at least you have that. Yeah. Silver lining. Find it. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh with the Dalton Daily, mine's gonna be real quick here, guys, because it's it's a pretty obvious or not obvious, but it's a it's a pretty short and sweet note. Um, but I'm not sure that a ton of people are aware of it. At Rutgers this weekend, the Scarlet Knights are on the road to take on Temple. Uh, the Scarlet Knights are 17 and a half point favorites. So Vegas says Rutgers will march out of there with a win. With that win, Greg Schiano will become the winningest coach in Rutgers football history, passing Frank Burns, who's currently there, uh, with the win over Wagner this past weekend. Greg Schiano was able to tie Frank Burns, but a win this weekend against Temple would make Greg Schiano the winningest coach in Rutgers football history. And I thought that that was an extremely fitting milestone and accomplishment for Greg Schiano. When I think Rutgers football, I think Greg Schiano. Yeah. First tenure, second tenure, he's been able to take this program and do some amazing things. And again, we're talking about in the first tenure when he wasn't in the Big Ten and had a a little bit of a better path to be able to build that program. He came in and the program was rough. And he's been able to build it back up into a respectable program in the Big Ten. No longer do you look at it and say, hey, there's a 50-some point win like was the case years ago. Um, So I I feel like this is an appropriate way to kind of salute Greg Schiano for his incredible efforts to make Rutgers what Rutgers is. He'll become the winningest all-time coach with the next victory, and it might just come this Saturday against Temple. So that's the Dalton Daily. You're absolutely right. When I think – uh, when I hear Rutgers, it's automatically, I think, Greg Schiano. It doesn't matter that uh, he hadn't coached there in a few years, you know. Uh, even after he left, it was like, Rutgers, oh, Greg Schiano's school, you know. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, uh, yeah, I, he, it's not an easy win now anymore. Uh, now granted you're probably gonna go win. I mean, not probably, but you're, you have a, the good teams are probably gonna win. Uh, but it's not as an easy win as they expected. So I agree that that's, uh, oh, I like Rutgers made a bowl last year. 
I mean, that's Jack <laughs> Dorton mm-hmm. do it. But, but still, Rutgers of the they past used to be one in eleven. Like that's... right, they wouldn't have been considered in past <laughs> year, you know, years prior. So, oh, oh, uh, yeah, they they a win is a win, sir. Yeah, even in, <laughs> even though it's a moral victory, right? That's right. Because they did um, go get thumped in that in that bowl, didn't they? They did. They yeah. did. But in well, self defense, they had to pull everybody back after sending them home, though. I was going to say their their Australian punter was already back home in Australia, and they had to call him from the airport and say, "Hey, do you want to fly back?" And he's like, uh, "Okay," and flew right <laughs> back know, over. I guess I'll come punt <laughs> another week, sure. <laughs> but nonetheless, so that's the Dalton Daily, and that does it for another edition of Big Ten Plus Four. On the way out, Sam, why don't you hit us with where everybody can find us? Well, I've got uh, this here, and then Tony has a couple of other ones. Uh, Big Ten at Big Ten plus four. I believe that is also our new Instagram as well. Correct, Tony? Yes, it is. You and TikTok as well. Plus. And TikTok. And so TikTok. you spell out the plus, though, Dalton. You don't put the little plus sign. It's spell out the plus. So at Big Ten plus four for Twitter, for TikTok, and for Instagram. Then Big Ten Plus Four, just type it in in Facebook and you'll find it. Or you can go to oddpodsmedia.com along with all the other people, uh, family of uh, Odd Pods Media uh, shows. And uh, we're on ASAP every Friday morning, 8.45 a.m. You can find the audio podcast later on Friday. There we go. Perfect. Done. Tony, is that is that all we need to know about the new TikTok and Instagram? Is there anything you want to add in before we? We're I out? don't do the TikToks, so yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, that that's yeah, Sam pretty much nailed everything. All right, then we're good to go. Thank you all for tuning in and joining us this week for another episode of Big Ten Plus Four. Looking forward to next week where we dissect maybe another chaotic college football Saturday. We'll see what the weekend has for us. But in the meantime, I'm Dalton Shetler. That's Sam Sprunger, Tony Hollinsworth. Again, thank you all, and we'll talk to you next week. See you later.